Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we're going to talk about Microsoft, Activision, Raven, unionization, and more because Microsoft times Activision has hit maybe not a pothole, not a mine exactly, but a new wrinkle in the pending acquisition. If you aren't familiar at all with this deal, check out our now 24 video playlist after this video gets uploaded about Microsoft times Activision, the biggest pending deal in the history of video games at almost $70 billion, and how Microsoft is currently in, maybe not a fight, but at least the process with the Federal Trade Commission of the United States to evaluate whether or not that particular regulatory agency wants to step in and potentially get in the way of Microsoft's pending purchase. Now, what is the wrinkle that I was talking about before? Well, just over a week ago, as the Washington Post reports here on their launcher platform, Raven Software employees win a union election. Now, unionization is not very common in the tech industry in general, and it's certainly not very common in the video game industry. But we've been tracking this particular election for quite some time because Raven Software is a subsidiary of Activision. And last December, CWA started handing out signature petitions for the employees at Activision Blizzard across the entire company. And what came back, at least as far as we know right now, are petition signatures that were sufficient to hold a union election in the quality assurance division of Raven Software. So you've got Activision Blizzard King at the top. You've got various subsidiary entities that control their publishing and other functions. Then you have Raven Software. And then as part of Raven Software, you have their quality assurance division. In fact, I did a number of videos in this playlist and on the channel talking about whether or not that was a sufficient class to actually go and seek an election with the National Labor Relations Board holding that it was in April of this year in what I characterized as a big win for the employees that sought to unionize. In fact, it turned out to be an even bigger win than it might have initially seemed as they voted, in fact, to unionize. A group of 28 quality assurance testers at the Activision Blizzard subsidiary Raven Software won their bid for a union Monday afternoon. The workers who have organized at the, as the Game Workers Alliance told the Washington Post they hope others in the video game industry follow suit. Eligible workers at Raven Software, which makes Call of Duty titles in Madison, Wisconsin, mailed in ballots to vote in the election this month. The Milwaukee office of the National Labor Relations Board counted the ballots via video conference Monday afternoon with a tally of 19 voting in favor and three against. And if you're doing math at home, again, don't depend on lawyers for your mathematics needs. You see 28 people, 22 votes, six abstentions. Both parties have until May 31st to file an objection. I haven't seen any news of Activision actually objecting to the results of the election. If no objection is filed, the results become official on that date and Raven management must begin bargaining with the union in good faith. We call it unionization here, kind of colloquially in media, but what it really is, is these employees electing a particular representative body to negotiate collectively bargained agreements with their employer entity. That's what this is all about. So if there aren't objections, if this union is formally recognized by Activision, which it all appears to have been done, they have to now enter into negotiations for what's going to be a contract covering all of the union covered employees. The vote comes as Activision Blizzard works on finalizing a deal to be acquired by Microsoft for nearly $69 billion, which of course is why everyone is so, so very interested. 
Washington Post includes a quote from a Raven software quality assurance tester. The outcome of this election, the voice of the people coming together to vote yes for this union, is further validation that even a small group of folks in Madison, Wisconsin, standing together in solidarity, can face up against a AAA studio giant like Activision and come out the other side victorious. Now that the fight for recognition is through, we can focus our efforts on negotiations. We'll fight for respect, fight for better wages, better benefits, better work-life balance, fight for sustainability and job security, and continue to fight for our fellow workers in solidarity. And as I've said in this space and on other platforms on YouTube and elsewhere, in terms of unionization, I'm always entirely in favor of the employees at the employer in question getting to decide for themselves what their fate might otherwise be. I'm a Southeast Michigan attorney. I have seen unions work. I have seen unions not work. It is up to the employees in every instance. And I'm not going to be the kind of media platform that says it has to be done or it has to be avoided on one way or the other. I wish the Raven Quality Assurance testers the sincerest and best of luck in doing this collective bargaining and hope that it works out for them uh, as much as they want it to. But the reason we're talking about it here is, one, it's a big, big deal in gaming. This union is actually the second North American union in a video game company. Here we have a Polygon article about the Vodio Workers United partnering again with CWA. But it is by far the biggest, the most important, the highest profile that we have yet seen. And it might mark a sea change in the future on how we look at video game companies and whether or not they can be unionized especially with the presidential effect that finding that a quality assurance group within a subsidiary of a larger organization can form a legitimate class might have into the future. So that's reason one why this is an important story to take note of. Reason two, of course, lives in this line right here. We have a pending acquisition for this company. We know that Microsoft wants to buy Activision is currently engaged in the process of getting that approval from various entities around the globe. It's not just the FTC, but other jurisdictions that also have their say in this. And they're getting pressure from requests and news releases and whatnot as to how they're going to respond to this particular union and potentially a broader unionization push because it was on such same day that this union got approved that a Bloomberg article came out with the following. Activision illegally threatens staff, labor officials fine. Finding is a sitback for company as it faces union effort. Labor board is set to count ballots Monday in Wisconsin vote. So this is the same day. U.S. labor board prosecutors determined that Activision Blizzard Inc. illegally threatened staff and enforced a social media policy that conflicts with workers' collective action rights, according to a government spokesperson. Now you can go back in this playlist and look at some of our unionization videos to talk a little bit more about the National Labor Relations Act. I didn't want to regurgitate all of that in this particular video, but suffice it to say, employers aren't allowed to take steps to prevent employees from potentially organizing and getting a collective bargain representative. They are allowed to say their piece. We've talked about that. Employers have their own First Amendment rights to say why they think it's a bad idea, but they can't take steps to actually prevent the employees from getting together and organizing. And that's one of the big fights that always happens when you've got a unionization drive. Here, the National Labor Relations Board kind of the prosecutors at that entity have decided there is something worthwhile of the equivalent of an indictment, right? And I'm using other terminology that doesn't really apply on the regulatory basis just to try to help you visualize what's happening here. These are the folks in charge of the investigation. They say, ha, we think there's something here. 
they aren't the final arbiters of whether or not Activision has actually violated something. We'll see that at the bottom of this article, but it's still an important step because as they say in the next paragraph, unless Activision settles, the Los Angeles-based regional director of the National Labor Relations Board will issue a complaint, the agency's press secretary, Kyla Blado, said Monday. So, the investigators say, ah, we think there's a problem. If you guys don't otherwise make us happy, then we'll issue a complaint. If we do have a complaint issued, we'll just skip to the bottom for purposes of this ar- argument. Complaints issued by the labor board regional directors are considered then by agency du- judges. Those are judgment officials that actually work within the agency structure. And then those rulings can be appealed to the whole National Labor Relations Board membership. And then those rulings can be appealed to a federal court. As we've talked about in this space fairly often, Any given regulatory agency really doesn't have final authority on what its own decisions are. With respect to Microsoft and Activision, for instance, the Federal Trade Commission can determine that there's a potential antitrust violation. They can try to block it. They can sue to block it, but they don't ultimately get to decide that for themselves. That would actually go to what we call an Article III judge, the judiciary itself, courts, to go determine whether the FTC or, in this case, almost certainly Microsoft, have the right of it. That's how government is divided in the United States. These agencies are executive branch agencies. They're part of the presidential administration. They can make their determination. They can sue to do something. And then the courts get to determine what, if any, issues there are with that prospective lawsuit. The agency can require remedies such as posting of notices and reversals of policies or punishments, but has no authority to impose punitive damages. Jennifer Abruzzo, the labor board's general counsel appointed by President Joe Biden, takes a much broader view of workers' legal rights than her Trump-appointed predecessor. She has signaled she'll seek to establish new precedents on numerous issues, including how much companies can restrict employees' social media posts, which are at issue here. And this point is a little bit speculative on the part of Bloomberg insofar as which direction Abruzzo will go on any of these particular questions, but it is still noteworthy because there are all sorts of business folks and lawyers and financial people and investors that are looking at the Biden administration's new positions in the Federal Trade Commission and the SEC and the National Labor Relations Board and trying to determine what if any issues will be presented by those new folks that hold those positions in these agencies. So this is Bloomberg kind of uh, vocalizing what I am hearing from folks that are talking about these things. What is the FTC going to do? What is the DOJ going to do? What are these agencies going to do? And ultimately, this is the kind of thing that is strongly suggestive of an agency in the National Labor Relations Board that is going to take a more aggressive stance against employers and whatever it is that they are doing. We'll come back to that because that's useful for informing us of what Microsoft just released as a brand new press initiative. In this article, we have a few more things I wanted to highlight. Activision denies wrongdoing, says these allegations are false by company spokesperson Jessica Taylor. Employees may and do talk freely about these workplace issues without retaliation, and our social media policy expressly incorporates employees' National Labor Relations Act rights. Might be true, might not. We'll have to watch to see if this goes anywhere. The allegations in the labor board case were brought to the agency last September by the Communications Workers of America, the CWA, the same union organizing at Raven. So you have all of this kind of labor union push. You have the signature cards. You have the election. You have a complaint to the National Labor Relations Board. And all that is kind of in motion as Microsoft looks to gobble this entire company up. Now, we know Microsoft is concerned about the regulatory environment. We know in particular they're concerned about the Federal Trade Commission and their evaluation of the deal because, honestly, 
they're already engaged in a public relations campaign. I've pulled up a thumbnail for the video you can check out here. I think it's called Activision at Risk, question mark, something along those lines in the title. But ultimately, this was about looking at what they put out in February, about a month after they announced the deal, to get ahead of this whole thing, right? Today, we're announcing a new set of open app store principles. You can check out that video for the specifics here. But they say in the next sentence, we have developed these principles in part to address Microsoft's growing role and responsibility as we start the process of seeking regulatory approval in capitals around the world for our acquisition of Activision Blizzard. This is a almost $70 billion acquisition. This is almost seven times as big as any video game acquisition ever. And it is in the shadow of all of these questions about how these regulatory agencies will act. We did videos about the Federal Trade Commission. We've done videos about letters that senators have sent to the Federal Trade Commission asking that body to evaluate things like labor power, labor control, unionization, data control, and more that, as I talk about it in the video, are outside the usual ambit of antitrust review. But if the Federal Trade Commission is going in that direction, could spell fireworks for a deal like Microsoft Times Activision, which is why you saw yesterday... Microsoft go out with a statement such as this. And I say why, that's obviously speculation on my part. It's a part of the reason Microsoft is going out with a statement like this. Microsoft adopts principles for employee organizing and engagement with labor organizations. Now, if you've been following this story very closely, you saw that when Raven was in the process of unionizing, when it looked like it might well happen, a number of folks asked Phil Spencer, asked Satya Nadella, how is Microsoft going to treat this? if Activision actually gets its deal through. And Microsoft basically said something along the lines of, we will, of course, abide by the rights of the employees, which I think I sarcastically tweeted out is good because that's what the law requires. In this statement, we'll see platitudes. We'll see things that probably aren't going to move the needle for you if you're very pro-union or aren't going to move the needle for you if you think Microsoft should take a harsher stance against unions. Whatever direction you're coming at this from, this document is unlikely to convince you one way or the other. But it is another step in the process of showing Microsoft is the soft, generous tech leaders that you want to have all these assets, government regulatory agencies. Microsoft adopts principles for employee organizing and engagement. This is a good thing. As we approach the second quarter of the 21st century, the American economy continues to evolve. Our free market is being reshaped in part by changing public expectations about the nature of work and the responsibilities of corporations. Technology is contributing to these changes and the tech sector itself is addressing a new, a facet that has long been important to the US economy and American democracy the right of workers to organize. Now, in my opinion, if you start quoting things about American democracy right at the top of your corporate press release, you've probably already gone too far, Uh, but your mileage may vary there. Obviously, they want this to be very gilding of the lily. They want to tell you how wonderful they are, how magnanimous they are, because remember, all of this is in the face of prospective regulation. Microsoft, a huge company. Microsoft, Tons of lobbyists and lobbying power, but they want to make sure that they get out in front of as much as possible when they talk about these things. And they can see that the tech sector, the game sector, all of these various aspects of the American economy are looking to potentially unionize in a way that they haven't in a very long time. They're getting out in front of it by talking about how great they are, as corporate press releases do. Recent unionization campaigns across the country, including in the tech sector, have led us to conclude that inevitably these issues will touch on more businesses, potentially including our own. 
This has encouraged us to think proactively about the best approach for our employees, shareholders, customers, and other stakeholders. And then we get one bold line. Our employees will never need to organize to have a dialogue with Microsoft's leaders. And it's pretty funny, right? Because the most salient aspect of this particular article is that we are going to be nice to unions and labor organizers. But the first thing that gets bolded, the thing they want you to take away from the top of this article, is you don't need to unionize, folks. Nobody needs to unionize. We're a good company. We have an open door policy. You can talk with us whenever you like. So please feel free to do so. And so that's what they say in this particular first couple of paragraphs of this article. But we also recognize that the workplace is changing. That's why we are sharing principles to guide our approach with labor organizations. So just to be clear, employees, you don't need to unionize. But if you do, let's talk about it a little bit. Today, we are announcing a new set of principles around employee organizing and how we will engage with our employees, labor organizations, and other important stakeholders in critical conversations around work. Two factors are guiding our thinking, which is great. I thought when I read this for the first time, we're going to get some substance here. Don't get too excited. First, while relationships with labor organizations are not new to Microsoft, although historically they haven't loved them, we know that we have a lot to learn. Many other industries have vastly more experience and knowledge than we do. In recent months, we've talked with and worked hard to learn from prominent labor, business, and academic leaders. We have built on our company's own collaborative experiences with works councils and unions in other countries, something I learned about myself in the 1990s when I was responsible for our European corporate and legal affairs. But mostly, we recognize that we have far more learning ahead of us than behind us. So two factors are guiding our thinking. We don't know anything about this. And second... We recognize that the right approach for Microsoft may be different from what will work best for others. Each industry and each company is unique. We approach these issues with a deep appreciation of the vital and innovative role our employees play in the development and adoption of new technologies. This depends on a shared company culture that is grounded in a growth mindset focused on listening, learning, and evolving our approaches together, especially on important issues in a rapidly changing world. So we don't know anything, even though we worked in Europe for a little bit. And we know that we can't just depend on the precedence of others. So we don't know anything, but we're talking to others. We know we can't depend on those others. Pressing on. Reflecting these factors, we believe Microsoft stakeholders will be served best with an open and constructive approach based on the following four principles. So if you don't know where we're going with this blog post press release kind of thing yet, it's that we're going to say as Microsoft, we're very open to it. You don't need it. Just to be clear, we're very open to it, but we're not entirely certain what it is but we're open to it. We're good guys. Keep that in mind, National Labor Relations Board. Keep that in mind, Federal Trade Commission. There's no reason to upturn any Apple carts or to worry about our acquisition of a small company like Activision Blizzard King. We're on it. We're good guys. Bullet number one, we believe in the importance of listening to our employees' concerns. Well, that's good. That's what you want to hear from an employer, certainly. Our leaders have an open door policy and we invest in listening systems and employee resource groups that constantly help us understand better both what is working and where we need to improve. Now, I don't know about you, but when you hear about a tech company talking about listening systems, I immediately get my guard up. I know that's not what they mean. They mean that they've got, you know, survey boxes and things like that. But when Microsoft talks about having invested in listening systems, maybe think about the messaging there just a little bit. Maybe that's my own sensitivity. Leave a comment below if you also kind of recoiled at Microsoft talking about its many and varied investments in listening systems. But we recognize that there may be times when some employees in some countries may wish to form or join a union. So again, same kind of message from the top, right? We have an open door policy. 
You don't need to collectively bargain because you can always walk in and ask for what you want and tell us about what might otherwise be a problem. Now, obviously, from a union's perspective and a labor organizing perspective, they say that isn't actually a solve for what could be a disparity between corporate and labor power, that the, the purpose of a union is to collectivize that labor power to give you more leverage in a negotiating setting, and they would be right on that. But if Microsoft does have an open door policy, it's effective and they are responsive to employees' needs, you can obviously undercut in a good way the desirability of a union if you're otherwise getting your needs met, which is what Microsoft is trying to imply will happen here. Second bullet, we recognize that employees have a legal right to choose whether to form or join a union. Fantastic. Not really a stance that you have an option to take Microsoft because the National Labor Relations Act says you can't do anything to otherwise affect the legally acknowledged right of them to decide whether to form uh, or join a union. So I guess great that you mentioned you're going to comply with the law, but I'm going to withhold the cookies I might otherwise give you until you commit to something a little bit more fulsome. We respect this right and do not believe that our employees or the company's other stakeholders benefit by resisting lawful employee efforts to participate in protected activities, including forming or joining a union. Now, this sentence can be read one of two ways. The first way isn't very interesting. It's the same way that I read the initial bullet, which says we're not going to otherwise interfere with your overall organizing goals. And again, it would be illegal to do so. The second way to read it is by far the most interesting. Some have read it this way as this particular article has been reported on in the press as suggestive of Microsoft effectively never telling their employees to vote no on a union, not doing what we saw Activision do, not that got them in trouble as Bloomberg reported with the National Labor Relations Board and social media activities, but just saying, as is their right, hey, we think this is a bad idea for the economic model for this reason and this reason and this reason. We don't think you should do it. You're allowed to organize. You're allowed to have your conversations. That's the legal way that this all goes down. But you could read this paragraph and this bullet is suggesting that Microsoft has an open door policy, not just to its leadership, but to any labor organizers that want to roll in and form a union. I have my doubts that that second way is the way to properly read this, but I will look at it in open mind. Maybe Microsoft is inviting half of its workforce to unionize in various aspects and various departments, etc. I don't think that's what this means, especially with the other bullets and the other bolded statements that say, you don't need a union, we're open door. But some have read it that way. I think that's a little more broadly than is required. Now, it might be the way Microsoft intends you to read it. Again, this entire article's purpose is we're good guys. Love us, Microsoft. Nobody hates a big, giant, multinational tech company, right? But I have my doubts that it means anything so broad. Third bullet, we are committed to creative and collaborative approaches with unions when employees wish to exercise their rights and Microsoft is presented with a specific unionization proposal. Okay, we're getting a little bit more detail now. And this effectively says to me, we don't need to go through the National Labor Relations formal election process. Come to us. Maybe we could figure something out that gives you a little bit more power through a private agreement rather than doing something formalized and requiring us all to meet various regulatory hurdles that are expensive and nobody really likes them. Who needs them, says Microsoft. Let's do something a little bit different. Let's get creative, right? In many instances, employee unionization proposals may open an opportunity for Microsoft to work with an existing union on agreed upon processes for employees to exercise their rights through a private agreement. We can bring in somebody. We can work this out. We could do something separate from what you're otherwise talking about. We don't need to bring in a 15th union. We've got a union that's already doing things with us. Maybe we could talk to them, et cetera, et cetera. 
We are committed to collaborative approaches that will make it simpler rather than more difficult for our employees to make informed decisions and to exercise their legal right to choose whether to form or join a union. Now, again, this is intended in corporate speak for you to mostly read this sentence as we want to make it simpler for you to form and join a union. That's not actually what this sentence says. This sentence most prominently says we want to make it simpler for you to make an informed decision. And then also if you do that and you decide to join a union, that's fine because we're good guys. But they want you to know what you need to know to make an informed decision, right? So again, you read all these bullets together. It's not really that Microsoft isn't going to tell you, hey, if you form a union, we might have these problems with our business model and you should think about that before you do. We just want to make it simpler for us to maybe get that information out to you. And then if you decide, hey, we're legally prohibited from preventing you from deciding that. So we would never put that in black and white writing on a blog post. That would be silly. Uh, but this all reads a little bit differently than I think they intend for you to read it. Building on our global labor experiences, we are dedicated to maintaining a close relationship and shared partnership with all of our employees, including those represented by a union. For several decades, Microsoft has collaborated closely with works councils across Europe, as well as several unions globally. We recognize that Microsoft's continued leadership and success will require that we continue to learn and adapt to a changing environment for labor relations in the years ahead. So... This doesn't really say anything. If we have to deal with unions, we're going to try to deal with them in a way that is productive for the company, which is great. Again, we're not going to make life difficult on you. Uh, and your mileage may vary on whether that's an accurate statement, either in a works council across Europe or what might become a North American union. But this is their pledge, right? We're going to listen to your concerns. We're not going to do anything illegal. Uh, we're committed to collaborative approaches that'll make it easier for you to make an informed decision, maybe even work with a union we're already working with. And once you are unionized, we're going to treat you like anybody else, right? We acknowledge that this is a journey and we will need to continue to learn and change as employee expectations and views change with the world around us. And we recognize that employers and employees will not always agree on all topics. And that, that is okay, Perhaps as much as anything, we bring a sense of optimism grounded in appreciation that success in a competitive global economy requires that businesses and labor strive to work together well. When I visit officials in Washington, D.C., I sometimes think back to the fact that President Theodore Roosevelt in 1903 created a single cabinet agency, the Department of Commerce and Labor. A decade later, this department was divided, so two different federal agencies could each focus more squarely on their distinct needs. But then, as now, Real progress for companies and the country alike has so often required dialogue, collaboration, and trust between business and labor. None of us ever know precisely what challenges the future will bring, but we're willing to bet that a company that listens to and works well with its employees is likely to have a winning hand. And again, we get to the end here. There's nothing wrong with this statement. Again, cloaking in the flag at the beginning and end of this particular article, I find to be a little bit much. Uh, but overall, Microsoft wants you to know that they are good guys and they got what they wanted. If you go and look at the journalistic output on this, so many folks have reported on this as a significant change in Microsoft's approach. And God knows it could be in the reality of the situation. What I see here is Microsoft painting themselves in a particular light and having the option to decide on an ad hoc basis, case by case basis, whether or not they want to be an aggressive employer or the lovely shining knight that just says, of course, employees, you can organize. We are a wonderful employer and want to have communications with you. But they want to do that when 
They're in the shadow of regulatory review on major acquisitions. And of course, Activision isn't the only thing that Microsoft is buying, has bought, or will buy. Microsoft has historically always been an acquisitive company. And so all of this goes towards essentially appeasing what they are hearing, both from the Federal Trade Commission, one assumes, and the other regulatory agencies that, as Bloomberg reported, now have more aggressive bent against things like multinational trillion-dollar companies like themselves. This has been Virtual Legality for today. If you enjoy this kind of content, talking about the business and law of technology, software, video games, and other things that are in the news that you might otherwise be interested in, please consider supporting the channel at Utreon. Uh, that is the best way to get us resources. If you don't like that platform, check out Patreon. It's a little bit more well-known. It does take a little bit more off the top. So please do check either of those out. If you aren't interested in either, just subscribing, telling your friends we're having these conversations, upvotes, downvotes, comments, if you have any questions or comments on the contents of this particular video, please leave them. YouTube absolutely loves that kind of stuff. If you are watching this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.